Nick, what are you doing? What is this accent? Unsure. Should I should I take it again without the weird accent? <laughs> I think maybe. Episode. No, hang on. I'll give I'll give us a run up. <laughs> Episode twenty two of Pods in the Key of Spring Field Field Pods in the Key of Springfield, um, the very podcast you are listening to. Yes. Yes. And you know what? They say with podcasts that every episode might be someone's first. So if this is your first, hello. Yeah, hi. Why didn't you listen to the other ones? Were you too good for us? I think you're coming a bit hard off the bat for the new. No, no. Look, if you haven't listened to the other episodes, we don't even want you here. You should... Actually, I shouldn't even say that. Look, we love you. From the bottom of our hearts. I mean, I wouldn't go that... even one episode. I wouldn't go that far either. You are our children, our dear children, and we will carry you in our hearts until the day that we die. Today we look at Season 3, Episode 3, When Flanders Failed. And we look at Season 3, Episode 4, Bart the Moiterer. Yep. Bert the uh, Murderer. Bert the Murderer. Yes, so... No no hitting by a curt in this, though. No. No. (laughs) Hit by no curts. Flanders did fail, though. Yes. That is documented fact. Uh, when, Flanders, the Simpsons. when Flanders failed, chalkboard gag, nobody likes sunburn slappers. Yeah, nobody likes sunburn slappers. Who is sunburn slappers? I don't know. I assume it was like a vaudeville comedian. <laughs> vaudeville comedian. I was thinking maybe some sort of puppet. Oh, a vaudeville puppet. <laughs> yeah, a yeah. vaudeville puppet. One of those vaudeville puppets. Constantly tumbling over in his little wooden frame. And it would be in one of those like Punch and Judy style... Uh, puppetry boxes at the beach where everyone's sunburned and then he doesn't slap your sunburn he just slaps you in the face Ooh. regardless of where your sunburn is oh i'm into that where can we see this show um i believe they're doing a run at the adelaide fringe in march okay you know what that does that doesn't even sound unlikely i know right that there would just be a puppet that slaps you in the face be like hey did you go and see that show where the puppet just slaps you in the face it's really confronting. Shall we do a Punch and Judy show? Sorry, so shall we do a show in the Fringe? We'll call it a Punch and Judy show, and then when you get there, we just give you an alcoholic drink with fruit in it and play the films with Judy Dench. We'll call it Punch in the Key of Springfield. Punch in the Key of Springfield. <laughs> yeah, where we do the podcast and we hand out punch. Can we still watch Judy Dench movies? Yeah, of course. All right, sweet. Does Judy Dench ever appear on The Simpsons? Uh, I know there's a joke about her in like season like 48, but that's uh. Are you about to Google? Yep. On the computer we're recording onto. Yeah, that'll be fine. Okay, this seems like a fool's errand. So Nick. Yeah. This episode opens with Homer mowing the lawn. Yes. I was just wondering, do you have any stories about mowing the lawn? <laughs> if you want to hear stories about me mowing the lawn, go to episode, I think, 11 of Pods in the Key of Springfield. And um, if you don't want to hear any stories about Nick mowing the lawn, go and listen to it anyway, because only about 10% of it is about that. Yeah, uh, there's an episode, we've got it up on the screen right now. There's a restaurant called Judy Dench's Fish and Chips. Judy Dench's Fish and Chips is a restaurant chain that sells fish and chips and is located in London. Gee, Dentist Fish and Chips has been at the dine-in drive through sir. This can't possibly be funny. Whatever it is we're looking at right now. Oh, this is from uh, the Regina monologues. Yeah, okay. there you go. Okay. Well, she she does appear in the... Judy Dench does appear in The Simpsons. Okay, okay. Mission accomplished. I don't think it's actually Judy Dench, though. I think they just joke about Judy Dench. Uh, I'm Judy Dench. <laughs> Not a lot of people know that. Fuck. So, I had a bit of a weird moment early in this episode. Ned invites Homer to a barbecue. By the way, this is the episode with the leftorium. Uh, Flanders mm. has a leftorium. Uh, 
And a B-plot that we'd both completely forgotten about where Bart learns karate. Yep. Or doesn't learn karate, but puts up the facade of learning karate. Which is great. A karate facade. Now, Ned tells Homer to strap on the feed bag for this barbecue. Sure. And that hit me in a weird way because the last time I heard that term used, it was in reference to going down on a woman. And now it's just associated. That's interesting. Yeah. Is that the writers doing Ned... Um, mistakenly appropriating sexual terminology. I don't know if it's a common terminology. Right. I don't know if it's something you should be saying necessarily. Okay. But, I mean, I'm thinking it was in a sitcom. It was. Uh, oh, I thought this used was by the woman. You know, like strap this, on the feedback. I was, thought this uh, was a dalliance that you had with someone who perhaps owned horses. Ah, well, um. I'm just sitting here and like I just spent about two and a half seconds thinking which paths could I possibly take that down. I would advise going down none of them. <laughs> yeah, just every one of them ended with a big danger, danger, do not enter sign. Sorry. Yeah. Which is a really weird thing for them to put there. Yeah. I don't want that joke in the podcast. <laughs> it's going in now, baby. Damn it. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Flanders, there's a thing early on where Marge says that they shouldn't be angry at Flanders just because he has things a little better than them. Sure. And, uh, this is a very early 90s thing. Like, right now, you can't really make jokes about The Simpsons not being affluent. I think... Oh, yeah. There's a certain point in the show where they had to stop doing that. Yeah. Because The Simpsons are very well off. Yeah. I mean, they seem to live quite comfortably in a giant house. Yep. They've got three kids. There seems to be no real, apart from like the first episode, yep. no real worries about money. They're no. not. There are apparently entire months where Homer can risk losing his job because he's off doing other things. Yep. I just slid my foot across the floor under the table and I heard it come through in my headphones. <laughs> I'm concerned by this microphone. Anyway. It's um, all right. I just have to, you know, not fidget. Uh, I can't not fidget. You've got all those fidget spinners as I well, and you ate, keep dabbing. I ate so many Twix before we started. You only ate one Twix. Is a Twix? Does a Twix? Is a, is a single Twix two bars? I think so. Right. I think you can eat half a Twix. In which case, you eat one bar. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know at what point it ticks over into a second Twix. But like, see, if you eat one and a half Twix. But see, a fun-sized Twix is a single bar that's smaller. Yep. So that should be a fun-sized half Twix in your terminology. I think a Twix is more of a philosophical concept than it is... A Twix is a state of mind. Yeah, I don't think, like, there's a measurement. It's like, you know, if you eat a small Snickers, you eat a medium Snickers, you eat a large Snickers, they're all Snickers. It's just whatever's in the packet, man. Yeah, but we're not talking about whether a Snickers is one Snickers or two Snickers. Okay. I think that's a false equivalency that you've drawn there. If you get a scotch finger and you snap it in half, are you eating two scotch fingers or are you eating a scotch finger? Oh, um, I think if you snap a scotch finger in half and then only eat half of it, I think you're eating half a scotch finger. Okay, so... But it starts as a whole and you're dividing it in two. Mm, but it's designed with the perforation. Oh, well then, does that mean one salada is in fact four saladas? No, I think one salada is one salada that can easily be split into quarters. I think a Twix is a single candy bar that is served split, pre-split. Oh, that's an interesting way of looking at things. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway, thanks for tuning in to Pods (laughs) in the Case. (laughs) It's So, um... Homer is sitting on the sitting on his couch at home and he imagines this scenario where because his family isn't there and they don't feed him, he starves to death. Yes. And then laughs at them from beyond the grave. Yes. I feel like this is I feel like I've had thoughts like this as a child all the time. Actually, yeah, interesting. There's a lot of things in this episode that resonated with me uncomfortably, actually. Mm. Just like, ah oh, yeah, I've um I've felt that way. That's inappropriate. That's you, not a good way to feel. You've had that monologue about they'll all be sorry. That yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. The thing There's I, actually a video of me when I was uh, like six running around a birthday party, my own birthday party, I think, running after my cousin Dan yelling, you'll be sorry. You'll be sorry. That video exists. That's grim. Yeah. 
Jesus. Um, yeah, I saw that video was like, there a, a few years ago. I'm like, oh, that's not good. Is there a context to that? It's just a weird kid. You're just a little devil child. Just a weird, shitty little kid. <laughs> weird, shitty little kid. <laughs> and the thing I like, just after he does that soliloquy, um, he then drifts off to sleep. Ned starts cooking the barbecue. And Homer's made a big deal about how he's not going to go to Ned's barbecue. Yep. And then it's the smell of the barbecue food that wakes him up. And he's enticed to the window, and he's very jealous about the barbecue food. Now, I know that Homer's intelligence level varies in various episodes, depending on how they need to play him. But did he really not click onto the fact that there will be barbecue food at a barbecue, and that he likes barbecue food? I think he must have disassociated between his hatred of Ned Flanders and his love for grilled meats. Interesting. Just like, you know, you had that barbecue here the other day, and I refused to come... Uh, until from my own house, I could smell the cooking meats. <laughs> I was about to say bullshit. You literally were here. Yeah. But I saw where you were going with that. Yeah. Yes. No, interesting point. Um, I didn't actually put two and two together on the timing, but uh, you're right. Mm. 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 Good thing I've got that pipe that goes directly from my house to yours. Yeah, I was, um, I was wary when you built that pipe. Mm. I mean, it's more like a, like a tube that you shoot messages to me. You know, oh, anyway. I, I didn't realize we were both pneumatic pneumatic tube. I didn't realize we were both checkout chicks. Don't they use those to transport notes and what, money? pneumatic tubes? Yeah, checkout chicks. Is that a very outdated? I thought checkouts had pneumatic tubes. <laughs> I think everything about this is like the term checkout chick is maybe outdated. Oh, the, yeah, yeah, the concept of messaging each other through tubes. In this, the year 2000, and by the time people listen, 2018. I'm just going to message a friend of mine that used to work at a supermarket. <laughs> I want to know if I want to know if Foodland Pasadena had um, pneumatic tubes. Uh, all right, sure, do that. Message a friend. We'll get some inside goss on the um, on the Foodland at Pasadena. Uh, okay, what else happens in this episode? A lot happens in this episode. Uh, Nick. Yes. This episode is about Ned Flanders opening the Leftorium, which mm-hmm. caters to left-handed people. Now, not a lot of people know this, but you, Nick, yourself, are left-handed. I am indeed left-handed. Um, and you know how there's that terrible joke going around about, you know, how can you tell if someone's a vegan? Oh, don't worry, they'll tell you. It's the opposite for being left-handed, because... When I, whenever I do anything, mm. the first thing people will say, well, no, the first thing is normally, hello, how are you? But following that, they go, oh, left-handed. And it really irritates me. <laughs> I'm, th- I'm 31. <laughs> I don't want to have to go, yep, definitely am. Every time someone sees me do something. Or the number of times, like, you know, I'll be doing something, someone will see me write, someone I've known for years will see me writing a note. And then they go... I never knew you were left-handed. As if there's a reporting obligation on me that I'm supposed to go around telling everyone. Yeah, it's not like being a sex offender. You don't need to go door-to-door, knock with your left hand and tell them. We are similarly sinister, though. Yes, according to this episode, uh... What was the... The sinister? Uh, Sinister is the Latin for left-handed. Okay. And dexterous is Latin for right-handed. Wow, shit. Which is weird. The, the interesting thing about that is, if you are ambidextrous, it means that you are both sides right-handed. Fuck, man. That's, uh... I mean, no wonder left-handed people were historically genuinely looked down upon and treated poorly throughout history with this fucking language distinction. Yeah, I don't know why. It's also why the right-hand man of God is the most important man. Mm. And I think the left has something to do with the devil because of the sinister thing. Um, it's a bit tedious. Yeah. There's nothing, there's nothing particularly evil about me. Has anyone, like, you know, people point out your left hand? Did you ever just respond, oh my God, you're right. What the fuck? I never noticed. Um, I haven't, but I, I've, always, I've always wanted to. I've always wanted to. And then the funny part is, like, you know, when, if it was sports lesson at school mm. and then we're doing you know all right this is how to hold a cricket bat i just know to reverse whatever instructions they're telling me because i'm left-handed mm. and the number of times that you get two-thirds of the way through a lesson and one of the teachers will be like nick what are you doing oh i'm left-handed oh, okay yeah so just so just reverse everything i've said 
And I'm sitting there going, yeah, nice I'm clearly nice already save. doing that. Like, nice way to try and dig yourself out of a hole where you clearly hadn't clicked that I'm left-handed. Yeah, thanks, despite, Mr. Bok. Despite, nice, despite <laughs> there being a line of 30 children and only one of them, me, is facing the opposite <laughs> way to everyone else. Oh, God. Speaking of that, Ned says that one in every five Americans is left-handed. Interesting. Mm. I don't know if that is the worldwide population or if it's just American. No, they didn't have Wikipedia back then. All they had was uh, the Simpsons Internet Archive or whatever it was called, so they could only go and, you know, see if the internet had corrected them on the statistics, I suppose. Sure. So, the question I want to ask you about being left-handed, Nick. Sure. If a store like the Leftorium existed, would it actually be useful to you? Uh, There are some things that it would be. Like, I... Left-handed nunchucks, for instance? Oh, I'm not going to do the accent. <laughs> Please no, don't. I bailed out of that. In a hurry. Yeah, you inhaled, realized your mistake, yep. exhaled. Um, um, no, there are something like I, I remember the first time I used left handed scissors. Mm. And now, scissors are something that most right handed people, check your privilege, right handed people, most right handed people probably wouldn't click that scissors are actually, they tend to be quite dexterous. Obviously, the you know the shitty ones you get at school, the ones that just have the, the two circles that sit side by side, mm. they're not particularly dexterous. But if you get like a pair of kitchen scissors, those, you know, slightly chunky ones with the more molded kind of handles. Mm, slight uh, chunk, yep. Yeah, slight chunk. They are uh, surprisingly dexterous. And the first time I used left-handed scissors, I was like, oh my God. You got it, the glide going? I got the glide going. And it also, it they, they weren't uncomfortable. Previously, scissors had always been uncomfortable on my knuckles. Um, so I'd probably buy some scissors. And then uh, most other things in the leftorium, not 100% sure that they're necessary. Left-handed shot glass, I don't know. Yeah, no. you wouldn't buy that Kiss Me on left-handed shirt? No, I wouldn't, because I've already got seven of them. Yeah. Has that ever picked up, that shirt? No. 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 You never go in and say, look at my shirt. Now you have to kiss me. It's the law. Nope. Don't ever say that, Nick. It's no, no, awful no, no, no. that you're even thinking it. Remember earlier when we said that left-handed people and sex offenders weren't the same? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That t-shirt might start to blur the lines. Okay, okay. Well, uh, let's not go any further down that road then. <laughs> Uh, at the party, Homer wishes... Oh, oh, the party! <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> that's, a, that's a reference we're a while away from getting into. Uh, Homer... Oh, sorry. What, what if I did... Party. <laughs> Good. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just going to fall down a rabbit hole of stupid, <laughs> stupid references. Very specific quotes. Very specific yeah. quotes. So Homer wishes on a chicken wishbone. Yep. Have you ever done that? Uh, probably as a child. Mm. I don't know. I, I don't feel like bone cracking was ever a part of the... It would be like, you know, you have like a Christmas cracker and you crack the cracker. Sure. And you make the wish on the cracker. On the cracker, not on the bone. Yeah. Yeah. You don't literally snap the bones of an animal. To... No. But, um, yeah, he wishes that Flanders... First he wishes Flanders is just doing poorly. Then he wishes he's... his uh, his store closes. Interestingly, he... yep. Homer envisages perfectly what the Leftorium looks like, despite yep. Ned only having just announced it. Homer might be prescient like Phoebe from Charmed. <laughs> like Phoebe from Charmed? <laughs> yeah. I think that's the fourth time I've referenced Phoebe from Charmed. Yeah, you're making a lot of Charmed references. And fourth reference across two podcasts, I reckon. <laughs> Hello, Elliot J. O'Neill, if you're listening. Yeah, that's uh, that's something. And then he, he imagines Ned's grave. He imagines the death of Ned. Little Ted Ned. And then he thinks, ah, not too far. Takes it back. Big fan of that joke. Good joke. I feel like that's also how my mind operates. <laughs> I think of how I would like things to pan out, and I take it slightly too far, have to pull back. Yep, like just earlier when you said nunchucks, and I breathed in, went to do the accent, and then went, oh, not too far, pull it back. And then Homer starts laughing, thinking about um, thinking about Ned failing, and he starts to choke on his food, and he turns red, and he turns purple, and the yes. screen fades to black. Yes. And Nick, I'm going to put it out here. Ooh. I think... Uh-huh. It's possible uh-huh. that in this moment... What do you think is possible? I think maybe Homer chokes to death 
and the rest of the series. Yeah. I know this is a little wild, a little out there. Um, I've got a pretty short memory, but I'm pretty sure I haven't posited this theory before, but I think the rest of the series might be a death dream. A death dream? A death dream. A death dream? Yeah. Munchies. Exactly. Right. The other possibility is that he recovers and the show just keeps happening. Well, see, I thought we heard the sound of... Flanders giving a presumably left-handed Heimlich maneuver. How is the left-handed Heimlich different? Uh, it depends which arm you wrap around the which arm you wrap around the waist and which arm you pump with. Okay, pump it, you... Heimlich, pump it, <laughs> Heimlich. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's that was good. <laughs> One of the more. One of the more <laughs> ridiculous jokes I've made. I gotta know, when he started saying pump it, did you know that Heimlich rhymed and you could do it? I got, or did you go in not I, really knowing what you were going to do there? I got halfway through pump it and decided, oh, Heimlich's going to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. I really struck <laughs> I really struck out lucky on that one. I'd uh, like to talk about the B plot. Um, hang on, just before that, because there's something I want to say about the turning red, then turning purple, then fading okay, black. Okay, yep, 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 that, yep, yep, yep is and actually we see this again in uh the next episode where bart is a moiterer uh that is a really really good spot for a first ad break it is and something i something you don't get when watching on the dvd i mean yes it's still face to black and we have that moment but you know um it used to be kind of fun to have those cliffhanger moments where you then get three minutes of ads for soap and butterfinger yeah but yeah um and then you know, then hey it, Homer, give me back my butterfinger. It's mine. And then it reached a point when you know in the I'm gonna eat your butterfinger, hey, buddy boy. In late nineties, early two thousands, when it was on Channel Ten, and they just started really taking the piss with the ad breaks, and they would cut to an ad break before the punchline of the joke, and yep. you know that kind of ruined it. But quite often they would use the ad break to sort of censor a joke they didn't want in the episode anymore. Yeah, yep. but that was a real. That's a really good ad break spot, I think. Mm. Homer, Homer turning red, Homer turning purple, sound of a left-handed Heimlich, pump yep. it Heimlich, pump it Heimlich, yep. ad break. One fish, two fish, red fish, purple fish, death dream. Oh, we're going back to the season two top five. Sure, why not? Sure. Uh, so, I'm going to talk about the B plot. Yeah, okay. Where Bart learns Karate B in the B plot. <laughs> uh, so Bart, little buddy boy, he's going to learn some karate, sure. and he doesn't learn karate. Instead, he plays Touch of Death at the arcade. Now... As you know, my job is uh, video game journalism. Yes. I would like to try to do a bit of analysis, maybe a bit of a review of Touch of Death. Are you up for that? Yes, I'm into it. Do I need to lead you into any questions or can I just sit here and listen? Oh, if you've got some questions, I would love to answer them. Okay. As the premier game journalist on this panel. On this podcast. Yeah. What is video game? Okay, first thing that we have to say is that it's not my place to say whether or not video games broadly, and more specifically Touch of Death, is art. Alright, oh. I'm not here to answer that question. Okay. I think uh, we need to look at, you know, the cultural menu and where video games sit within society. Right. We need to think about, um, you know, what they mean to people and, you know, the impact video games have. I can't, it's not for me to say whether video game is art. Right. Alright, that's not my place, and I'm sick of people asking about is, it, frankly. Is video game Roger Ebert? Is video game Roger? That's a really good question. See, Roger Ebert, uh, one of the premier film critics of our time, of course. Now, one of the things that he said that I really like, one thing that I really agree with that he said is that films are empathy machines. All right? We watch films and we empathize with what's happening on screen and they tell us something about our lives and they tell us about the world around us. All right? They're empathy machines. And that was something that really stuck, stuck with me. Uh, Roger Ebert also said the video game is bad. He didn't like video game. And to me, that was bad that he said that. Interesting. But also, but also good because video game is bad. Is, is right. bad. Yeah. Video game is very bad. Okay. Touch of death. Video game. Yes. No. Okay. Touch of death. Touch very good question, by the way. Really good. Uh, touch of death. Very interesting game. Uh, sort of shades of like guilty gear there, or maybe like a Bushido blade dive kick, you know, that sort of fighting game, because it seems like the central mechanic of this game is the one touch kill of the touch of death. Right. Because Bard's aim in this game is to activate the touch of death. Right. And if games tell us something about ourselves, then isn't Touch of Death really a game about trying to shirk responsibilities and trying to, uh, 
you know, get out of the hard work of life. Isn't it really about, you know, what if we could just bypass everything and just with one touch, just sort everything out. We could get rid of our enemies. We could put them down. It's uh, it's also this sort of hyper-realism that we don't often get in games, even though obviously it is like mm. a, a hard fantasy, you know? Mm, we got like, mm. a, you know, these games where, you know, usually if you punch someone really hard, you know, mm. it fucking hurts. It hurts them a lot. They collapse to the ground. They're done, you know? You don't yep. keep fighting. No. You hit someone with a sword, you cut their arm off. They're dead, man. You, they're fucking dead, you know? Yeah. Video games are bad. Okay. Touch of Death seems pretty good, though. I would give it a 7 out of 10. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. So when when if I can just if I can just cycle back to a point you made in that answer. Yep, yep, yep. Um so there was something you said in there about how, you know, we are all looking for the for the for the one touch, the the touch of death, the one the one action that can cure everything. Yes. Is that um what Adam Sandler's click is all about? Okay. See, Adam Sandler would later work with Tom McCarthy on the movie The Cobbler. And in the movie The Cobbler, Adam Sandler plays a cobbler. He cobbles shoes. Right. He doesn't eat a peach cobbler, just to be clear. Because okay. I know a lot of people think that movie is about peach cobbler, but it's not. It's about shoemaking. Shoemaking. Shoe repair. So he makes the shoes, he puts them on, and then he becomes the person who owned the shoes. And isn't that really... You know, the touch of death really is about looking into somebody's eyes and knowing who they are in their final moments. And uh, Adam Sandler's click stars, uh, what's his face? That guy from Baywatch? David Hasselhoff. Yeah, the the Huff. And you don't hassle the Huff. Oh, God. You don't, you know, he's somebody who I think would be able to resist the touch of death. So, um, interesting spin-off on the, the, the Cobbler. So the idea yep. of of absorbing the spirit of someone's shoe when you fix it or wear it or whatever sure, he was yep, doing. Yep. When I was a kid, I always thought the phrase... You, so you know there's that phrase, walk a mile in someone else's shoes. Yep, one, two, buckle my shoe, yeah. then walk a mile in it, yes. Sure. And it's it's... I understand it now to be, mm. well, until you've lived my experience, you can't really judge my story, so mm. just back off, buddy. Yes. When I was a kid, I was like, yeah, that'd really suck walking in someone else's shoes. But what if they're the wrong size? That'd hurt. The really crazy thing about the fucking cobbler yeah. is that you the basic concept of this film is he wears other people's shoes and he, you know, can live their life. And you think, oh yeah, there's that saying, walk a mile in another person's shoes, get to know them. I guess the film would be about that. But it's fucking not. It's about something else entirely. Oh, that's weird. It turns into this, like, mob drama comedy. It's really fucking weird. Huh. But look, it's not my place to say whether the cobbler is art or not, and I want to be very clear on that. Okay, so touch of death, final word? Uh, final word, uh, in terms of graphics, I would have to give it a 6 out of 10. Sound, uh, 7 out of 10. Gameplay looked like about 8. Longevity, I'm not convinced on because one touch, they're dead. Gonna give it a 5. Overall, I'm giving it a 7, which is not necessarily an average or a weighted score. Just the score that I think is appropriate for the overall product. Okay, sure. So that's my review of Touch of Death. If we review any more video games... Yes. Can we go back to the Eat My Shorts 3 voice and do our... Brandy-soaked scholars. I mean... Because there were a couple of sentences in there where you were like, the one touch is to shirk the responsibility of the... It'd go really well. Look, that entire episode is a blur to me. I feel like we just dropped into a fugue stage. I mean, most of the things that you've said in the last seven minutes have been a blur to me. You were talking very fast. Yeah. I was really impressed. (laughs) So, the touch of death. Stop whacking the desk. I know. Bart learns the touch of death, and he becomes the ultimate killing machine. Yeah. Which is interesting. Interesting to give Bart that power. It's interesting interesting that he turned into a nuclear bomb. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Spider-Man said, with great power comes great responsibility, Bart. And he has the touch of death. And it's an interesting dynamic for the show. Did did Spider-Man say that to Bart? Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Fair enough. I am looking at my notes and realizing that there are things to say about this episode. Yeah, that's at, fine. At I'll one st- point... I'll, I'll just step out of the way and let you say them. <laughs> at one point, Lisa uses the word schadenfreude in yes. this episode. Yeah. And when I heard that, I was thinking, is that is this episode the reason everyone knows what schadenfreude is? I suspect it is for a generation, specifically ours. Mm. It's definitely where I know the word from. I think that there may be some people in a more recent generation who have picked it up from Avenue Q because there's that big, 
It's Schadenfreude. People taking pleasure in your pain. That song. Okay. Sung, sung by the big puppets in Avenue Q. Okay, I don't know what that is. What, you don't know Avenue Q? I have no idea oh. what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> Avenue Q is the, the Broadway musical with the, the, the live action puppets. I have not heard of this. It wasn't Sunburn Slapper. Different it, show. It's not Hamilton, is it? No, it's not Hamilton. No, it's about it's about probably okay. We're in twenty seventeen. It's about just scan my ten, mind. By ten, the way, for, ten, 10 years old now. Yeah, I reckon. I just scan my mind for like ten seconds. Think, do I know any songs from Hamilton well enough to sing them? No. Okay. Nope. So ten years ago, Avenue Q. Avenue Q. Bunch of puppets. It's dancing bu- around. Bunch of puppets, but it deals with like some some relatively adult kind of themes. Uh, it's got a song about Schadenfreude. It's mm. got a song called "Everyone's Probably a Little Bit Racist." Okay. Um, it's it's an interesting thing. I once I've seen an amateur production of it at the Shedley Theatre in Elizabeth North. Would you say it's art? I don't think it was really my place to get into that debate. Okay, I mean, good. people need to stop asking me that question. Okay, okay, I'm really glad to hear that. Because... But they do have a song about Schadenfreude, and okay. But I think for our generation, for the you and for, for the yous and me's of the world. Mm. Um, yeah, this episode of The Simpsons is definitely where I know it from. So, what else happens in this episode? Flanders starts to fail. Yes. And Homer keeps having instances where he can tell people about the story and chooses not to. Mm-hmm. Two things. Sure. One, you seem to get quite upset during this episode. Yep. It was really starting to get to you. Yep. So, I'll unpack that in a moment. But, yes. first of all, is Flanders' problem just that he is very bad at advertising? Uh, very bad at... Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, because there's no word of mouth about this store at all. In the end, Homer has somehow encountered dozens of people who will benefit from this information, mm. none of whom knew anything about this store and what seems to be the one major mall in Springfield yeah. opening. And and Homer manages to, with a couple of phone calls, generate a, an entire town's worth of excitement. Mm. And the thing I found interesting is that Ned had earlier said and so had I, that it's one in five people in America who are left-handed. Well, Springfield must be a statistical anomaly then because there were so many people from the town of Springfield, much more than 20% of them, um, who were there and who were stoked and who were excited. Well, it seems to me like a simple letterbox drop would have solved all of his problems. What, dropping letterboxes? Yeah, just... uh... Dropping left-handed letterboxes, left-handed letterboxes at homes and saying, we got more of this at the Leftorium. Seems like a really expensive exercise. Yeah, you well, buy all the letterboxes. I mean, he could put the pamphlets in the existing letterboxes, but the problem with that is uh, putting pamphlets into letterboxes is like the one thing you can't do left-handed. Yeah, no, I got more upset. Um, so when I was a kid, home, uh, Flanders fails and who cares? Because you're always on the Simpsons side when, yep. when you're a kid because they're the ones that you're tuning in for. Um but uh, Ned is really, really fucked. Yeah. His house has been repossessed. He's already sold everything. He's about to get his business repossessed. He gambled all of his uh, financial stability on this business. Mm. And, you know, the family's living in the car. And then they've got to move house and go live with his sister. I feel in Capital re- City. In Capital City. I feel really, really yeah, it's sad. the kind of place that makes a bum feel like a king. He's a king feel like some sort of nutty cuckoo super king. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, Do you ever see that episode Dancing Homer? I don't think anyone has. <laughs> well, the thing is, we watched it, but the my DVD skipped through that song. <laughs> did we, it? We did not see that song in this watch. Um, hey, it's Tony Bennett. <laughs> my mind is getting worse and worse. No, it's getting it's wonderful. But um, um, on your point, yes. The interesting thing is these early seasons. Uh, and this is something I think people lose track of sometimes when they're talking about The Simpsons. In the early mm-hmm. seasons, Flanders, he is religious, but he's not the God-bothery guy he turns into later. He's just like, religion is part of who he is, but he's also just a genuine good dude. And part of the reason Homer is angry at him yeah. is because he's resentful of his success and his happy family, and just the fact that he seems to be living a good, happy life. He feels sure. resentment for the success of Flanders, which is distressingly relatable, I think. Yeah. Especially in the modern day when we have social media, which creates this issue where we are constantly exposed to other people's successes, and we start to feel like our own lives don't match up. Sure. And this is the problem home is living. 
at all times with Flanders next door, and that's why he hates Flanders so much. Interesting. But Flanders is actually a good dude. Mm. So are you saying Flanders is like the nineties version of Pinterest? I don't know if I'd, I don't... What is Pinterest exactly? I don't know, but I got a, a response from my friend. Oh, about the food land. So, yeah, so hang on, I'll, 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 I'll read out my message. Okay. And then I'll read out her response, because I enjoyed it. Hey, this is an odd question, but did Foodland have those, like, tubes which deliver messages and stuff? Nick? With vacuums? How many of the messages you send start with, hey, this is kind of an odd question, but... A surprisingly large amount. Uh, and my good friend... Surprisingly large number, I think you'll find. I'm sorry. Man, if I could get that wrong less times, I'd have fewer errors. You piece of shit. Anyway, my good friend Cassie responded with, yeah, we called them pods. Oh shit! <laughs> Told ya! Told you the tubes existed! Well, that's the end of podcasting. <laughs> tubes! <laughs> tubes! 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 <laughs> Why did you say tubes instead of pods? Oh. <laughs> pods! 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 In the key of. <laughs> Food land. Uh. <laughs> also, this episode is where I picked up Huzzah for the shopkeep. Huzzah. Yeah, this is a... um. I don't know if we actually said this, but this is a really good episode. Oh, it's a belter. <laughs> it's an absolute cracker. You know what else is a really good episode? In, uh, one, one more final thing to say about this. So at the, the final scene is Todd playing guitar and everyone else sings along. Yeah. Todd's playing a left-handed guitar. Bart's left-handed. Every time Bart plays guitar, he's holding it left-handed style. That's interesting. And then there's a scene where, you know, when Otto's living in the basement or the garage or whatever, mm. um, he takes the guitar off Bart, flips it from left-handed to right-handed, plays it, and then hands it back. So Oh, that's very specific. It's not, a, it's not a mistake. Bart's left-handed. Oh, that's nice. Yep. That's a nice catch. Yep. Speaking of Bart, not only is he left-handed, he's also sinister in that he murders people. Bum, bum, bum. Season 3, episode 4, Bart the Murderer. Bart the Moiderer. Moiderer. So this episode opens with Bart opening the kitchen cabinet and inside is a box of kelp checks cereal. Kelp checks. Checks. Made mm. of kelp. I feel like these days they would be kale checks. Sure. And did you see the the cereal that was two boxes over from kelp checks? I did. It was not. a cereal called Vita Pillars. Vita Pillars. And it had a little cartoon caterpillar on it. This episode fucking rules immediately. <laughs> it is a wonderful episode. Just they shove in two very weird cereal oh, gags. And because it starts with, oh, hang on, sorry, check uh, chalkboard. High explosives. I almost said checks board. <laughs> Chalkboard. High explosives in school don't mix. I said yeah. it's a lie. Um, and then starts with Bart very happy when he wakes up and then immediately gets out of bed and squelches his foot on a little, um, what looks like a, a, a little, little toy plastic dinosaur. dinosaur. Yeah. A little spiky little dinosaur. Yeah. Squelches his foot. Very visceral noise. Yes. Prompted what must be by now a sixth or seventh use of the word visceral to describe Vis- a sound effect. Visceral. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. This, um, my first note on this, which I sort of wrote towards the end, but I put it up top because I wanted to mention up top, is that this episode is really wonderfully animated and directed. Mm. This feels so much more directed than just about any episode we've seen so far. It has so many moments where I'm like, that is a really nice shot. Good shots. There's a scene early on where Bart is looking into the box of cereal and the the camera, I'm doing quote marks, people can't see it's a podcast, but the camera's sort of shaking back and forth as he searches through the box of cereal for the... Glow-in-the-dark police badge. Yep. Which is a really weird thing, by the way, for Bard to want so badly. That's a good point. Is it because he... So, Bart's quite anti-authority. Yeah. But do you think that... His general attitude is, uh, fuck the police. Yeah, but Mm. but do you think his anti-authoritarianism is born from 
well, at least one side effect of it is a desire for authority. And he thinks if I get that glow-in-the-dark police badge, then I'll be the one upholding the glow-in-the-dark laws. Mm. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe he, maybe he sees his wearing of a police badge as an act of grim satire. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. And then Especially he's like, as he becomes a member of the mafia in and this then, episode. And then he's like... The glow-in-the-dark mafia. I'm going to wear this and I'm going to take down the glow-in-the-dark police force from the glow-in-the-dark inside. <laughs> and what am I going to use to light my way through the grim, seamy underworld? Glow-in-the-dark. Bit of radium. Yeah. But they, you know, they'd be able to pick him because every time the lights go out, <laughs> they'd be able to say, he's the rat, he's wearing the glow-in-the-dark... He's in the glow in the dark mafia. I was. Where is this coming from? <laughs> I just want. I just wanted to point out for any listeners at home that may have been disappointed. I was this close to busting out into fives when the lights go out, but couldn't think of a second line to make fit. Oh, baby, when the lights go out, da, 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 to me. Da, ba, 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 ba. I don't know how that song goes. But we'll join the mob. And Homer still has love. <laughs> when the lights You've go. done the thing the Simpsons keeps doing. You just made it about Homer at the end. Oh, fuck. Oh, I've done the Simpsons pivot. <laughs> oh. Uh, um, yep. So a lot of bad stuff happens to Barge. He gets, he gets you know, rained on. He, uh... What is he, like, uh... He gets hit by a bus. He falls under a train. He falls in love, which is kind of the same. <laughs> He sunk out at sea, crashed his car, gone insane. <laughs> Felt really good though, so he does it again. He does it again. Yeah. I think about that song. I think about that song sometimes. Like the first time you ever hear that song, it's like I walked under a bus. Oh no! Oh, no. I got hit by a train. Fuck. Oh shit! I've fallen in love. Well, finally, some good news, which is kind of the same. Oh fuck! <laughs> Someone help this poor bachelor girl. <laughs> oh, I'm sure bachelor girl are pleased with the shout out. <laughs> I suspect they haven't got much traction recently. You talking about Sophie Monk? No. Oh, I see what you did there. No, it's good. Yeah. Um, to our uh, what is it like fifty-one percent American audience at this point? Uh, Sophie Monk was the latest contestant on the Australian version of The Bachelorette. Hmm. Sophie Monk has a profile in America. Does she? She was. I in... don't know if um the Australian version of The Bachelorette does though. No. no okay. Th- that's true. <laughs> Sophie Monk was in the video for Blink One Eight Two Always. I think she was also in, well, like, another teen movie. Yeah, and some other movie, maybe. Yeah. Um, speaking of, so bad things happen to Bart. Mm. Um, he He's late for school because he missed the bus. Wonderful moment where Krabappel says, you need to fill out a tardy slip, and Bart goes, but I'm only, looks at the clock, 5, 10, 40 minutes late. <laughs> that's quite late. <laughs> that's pretty damn um, late. It's pretty damn Which late. Which is really nice, it's just a... Moment of observation. Yeah, really good. <laughs> this episode has a lot of nice little moments of like observed behavior, mm. I would say. Mm. One thing that I do think is weird though, mm. that I've never really thought about until this, you know, this yeah. watching, is they have this excursion to the chocolate factory that Bart misses out on. The excursion leaves the school at 1 pm. Yeah. That is a weird time for an excursion to start. To start. Especially yeah. when they're going to a chocolate factory. Like, 1pm is like lunchtime. Have they had lunch yet? Mm. Maybe that's why they're all, all the kids are so ratty. Because by the time when we, when we see them in the chocolate factory, they're swimming in the vats, they're bashing up the mascot. Maybe they're ratty because they haven't had lunch yet, and then they yeah. just get some chocolate samples, so they've got an empty stomach full of sugar. And Lisa, as she's getting on the bus, says, I'm going to eat eight pieces of chocolate. Wonderfully specific. Yeah, which uh, prompted me to run my page. That was eight pieces ago. (laughs) (laughs) Why do I enjoy that callback so much? (laughs) Oh, that's my favorite thing. Um, But, of course, has to lick envelopes instead, which is... uh, one of my favorite activities. Yep. The only then... thing is, um, Skinner buys the envelopes with the really low quality glue, and Bart unfortunately dies. Oh no. Oh no. Are him and Skinner still going to get married? <laughs> well, um, the thing is, uh, Skinner had a pact with Chalmers, so Chalmers <laughs> still has to get married. Oh. We had a pact! Meant to be the, it's meant to be the summer of Bart. Oh. So I kind of peaked the. <laughs> you peaked it really hard. So uh, 
But after looking at all the envelopes for ages, including a wonderful close-up shot of Bart's blistered, swollen tongue <laughs> yeah. dragging itself scratchingly across the envelope. Which Always love that shot. It's a great shot. Uh, he then goes to skate home, gets caught in the rain, falls down into the uh, stairwell of the legitimate businessman's social club. Yeah. And then another cracking first ad break because he goes, what next? And then six guns appear pointed at him. And then it's an ad break. So I did quickly count the guns. It was eight or nine. Eight or nine. On the screen for a moment, which means that some of the guys must have been pointing two guns at him, I think. Two guns. Mm. Are there any characters in there called, like, Two Guns Bill or something? Mm. Two Guns Larry, maybe? Two Guns Larry. Yeah. I like that. I liked it because it's reminiscent of the movie poster for the hit film John Wick Chapter 2, which came out this year. So, huh. yeah, I'd like to think... That they watched this episode of popular animated sitcom The Simpsons and said, oh yeah. We'll, we'll, just, we'll just borrow some of that we'll visual just, imagery. We'll just do that and then we'll make a very, very good film. John Wick. Yeah. Have you seen John Wick? Is it about Arthur John Wick? Yeah, Arthur John Wick the accountant. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. Have I made that joke on the podcast? Um, <laughs> uh, about how I like to imagine movies you, are just about like the name of the movie is just the surname of... Whoever the person the movie is about, you've made you've you've, you've done that, um, and we had John Boyhood, yeah, Boyhood Assassin, Boyhood was there, Die Hard was there, yeah, because uh, when Bart was saying, oh, Wall Street's getting arrested, and oh no, Jaws is, ah, uh, yeah, 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 we did that. I don't sometimes know... the lines blur for me between things we say on the podcast and just like the fact that we're friends. I don't know if Arthur. John Wick was one of them, but when you mentioned John Wick, I was like, "Oh, I know, <laughs> I know you like to do that surname thing." Yeah, and Arthur was the name that came to me naturally. Well, usually I do a Carl John Wick. Carl. Kyle. Kyle. Kyle John Wick. Coral. <laughs> exactly, Coral. Carl. All right. It um, doesn't matter. <laughs> have you ever had, have you ever had a Manhattan? I believe I have. Yes. I haven't had a Manhattan, but the thing I find interesting about Manhattans because I looked up the recipe. Yeah. Two parts whiskey. Mm. One part sweet vermouth, mm. uh, a dash or two of bitters, mm. brackets such as Angostura. And I was like, is there literally any other brand of bitters? <laughs> uh, there probably is. Don't write in. Um, twist or of- do write in. We would love to hear from you. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, it's in the key of Springfield at gmail.com. Twist of orange peel and a cherry. So that's pretty much just straight spirits. Mm. Legs, the guy who Bart makes the Manhattan for... Skulls the whole thing and says, "Ah, pretty good." Yeah, you or don't. Him. You don't. You don't skull a Manhattan. You don't skull a Manhattan. But this speaks to the pacing of this episode, which moves at a fucking blistering rage, as blistered as Bart's little tongue. Absolutely, this is a very yeah. That that tongue is like the precursor for what comes after. This is a very fast moving episode. Is a foreshadowing of our faces. By the time the episode is done, because our faces are blistered by how fast this episode moves. There's a very specific scene that I noted uh, that I felt like the restraint of this scene was beyond what you would see in The Simpsons after about season 11, I want to say. Sure. There's a scene where Bart arrives at the bar, skipping ahead a bit, but it's you know, irrelevant here. He yeah. arrives at the bar, he's a little angry, so he pulls out the bottle of milk, mm-hmm. and he pours himself a shot of milk, and he does the shot. Yep. Cut to the next scene. I feel like only having him do one shot instead of immediately pouring another one and doing that again is yep. it's just uh, indicative of how propulsive this episode is. It just moves. Absolutely. The fucking... Because I think... In, this is a really good episode. In a modern Simpsons episode... What if Simpsons modern, yes. It would probably be five shots. Yeah. And then, and then he would get drunk. And then he'd fall over. Yep. Yeah. And then he'd you know, stumble around and say, yeah, I'm drunk now. What are you looking at? I'm Bart. And then everyone would clear their checks and move on. Sure. But this episode, real good. Actually, no, sorry. I'll tell you exactly what the modern joke would be. He would go to pour himself a fourth shot and then one of the people would say, don't you think you've had enough? And then Bart will be slurring saying, I'll tell you when I've had enough and then smash the milk carton on the bench. Yep. And it would go for a minute and a half. There would be maybe one joke that was recognizable as a joke in there. Mm Mm-hmm. And the episode would still only be 14 minutes long. They would need to extend the couch gag out to a solid six minutes. I can't wait for us to get to the modern episodes. I think we're going to have fun. 
Mm. 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 Oh, well, you know, it's explode. Mm. First appearance of Fat Tony mm. in this episode. Fat Tony. Joe Mantegna or Montagna. Montagna. He's uh, he's fucking great. He rules. Yes, he is so good. good in this. Yes. Everything he does is wonderful. Every little thing he does is magic. Every little thing. Well, it doesn't turn me on, but it's good. <laughs> <laughs> the realization coming across your face then. <laughs> uh. Sure. Now, one thing this episode made me think, and I think this often. Whenever I'm watching anything, because every single thing somehow finds a way to reference it. Been a really long time since I've seen the movie Goodfellas. Oh. Have you seen the movie Goodfellas? No. Have you seen movies? No. No? Which one's Goodfellas? It's the uh, Scorsese one about some good fellas. Oh. Oh. Welcome to the Good Burger, home of the Good Burger, (laughs) can I take your order? Yeah. Welcome to Goodfellas, home of Goodfellas. (laughs) Can I take your order? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, ever since I was a kid, I wanted to be Goodfellas. It's that one. And then it's got, um, what's his face running around, he sees the helicopter, and he's... He just wanted to be a good fella, you know? Mm. 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 I think Joe Pesci's in it. Joe Pesci? Yeah. Interesting. Although Joe Pesci's also in Casino, so I'm worried that I'm conflating those two movies. Right. Because Welcome they're both... to Casino, home of the casino. Can I take your order? <laughs> Why am I referencing Good Burger? Because uh, I think Casino is the one where Joe Pesci's like, oh, you think I'm funny? How do you think I'm funny? How am I funny? What do you mean funny? And he beats the shit out of a guy. Joe huh. Pesci's really good. Huh. It's a shame he's not in this episode. Good thing no one thinks I'm funny. I don't have to, I don't have to hit them. Yeah, you never have to say, mm, what do you mean funny? Yeah. How do you think I'm funny? Hmm. I don't even know if that's a Joe Pesci impression or not. Uh, I'm sure we'll hear about it. A Joe impression. A jo- oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. I'll leave it in, but you know, I don't know that it's good. <laughs> Fair enough. Have you noticed there's a running thing in the early seasons of The Simpsons of Bart introducing adults to Itchy and Scratchy and then really enjoying oh. Itchy and Scratchy? That's interesting. It's this weird because it's kind of like um, because The Simpsons is a cartoon aimed at adults. Yeah. And there's this ongoing thing of like the 10 year old on the show introducing adults to a cartoon that they yeah. grow in love with. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Because there's something for the kids to enjoy. I mean, in in Itchy and Scratchy, I don't necessarily think there's actually anything for adults to enjoy. But <laughs> and the episode just always happens to somehow relate to the situation they're mm, in. It's pretty uh, pretty prescient. Yes, it's almost as if Joe Pesci. It's almost as if Itchy and Scratchy is actually an adaptation of The Simpsons from some sort of alternate dimension. That's interesting. Yeah. So this week when Could Bart be... joins the mob. Itchy and Scratchy are also members of the mob. Could it be in a crossed kind of timeline? A blended timeline? Do you mean like a sort of like if two omelettes like melded together somehow in the pan? Well, typically I tend to think of one omelette being flipped, but we could introduce a second omelette if you want. Mm, I mean, it seems like an inefficient way of cooking. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, cooking two omelettes in two separate pans and tossing them together as one. Yeah, this is what happens when you do that. Mm. The two universes, the omelette universes, merge together. Mm. I think you'd have to be a bit of like a madman to try that kind of thing. Like a really colossal, like, maniac, I think. That's an interesting word that you used. Which one? Maniac? Maniac. (laughs) Both went... (laughs) We bloody... Three Stooges got stuck in the door for that anti-joke. Move it, Shouterhead. I got a heap of notes on this one that I still need yeah, to get fine. through. How are you going? I've got nothing. Okay, okay, because um, I'm getting increasingly aware of time. Don't want to be a like yep. four-hour episode, but um, few things I want to point out here. Wiggum used to actually be a cop in this show. Yeah, and he, he used to do coppery. Yeah, I mean he's terrible, but he's actually trying to yep. do police work in this one. Try bit of a minor note. Uh, then there's the scene where Bart has all the cigarettes in his room. Yes. And he has the cigarette in his mouth because Homer tells him to smoke all of them. And then the delivery guy comes in and says, Hey, Pally, you look really clever and smart with that cigarette. Yep. Here's the thing. I think I'd look really cool with a cigarette hanging out of my mouth. I think I could pull it off. I think it would... I yeah. think aesthetically... Let me think about it. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I could see that happening. I think the aesthetics of smoking would suit me very well. Interesting, because I don't think they'd suit me. I don't think they would, no. I don't think no. it's quite, uh, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Is it because you're a writer? That could be part of it. Yeah. Like a, like a, like the 
the Jack Kerouac of freelance video games. <laughs> don't compare me to Jack Kerouac. That guy's a piece of shit. <laughs> oh, sorry. It's probably a bit unfair of me, actually. I just don't like On the Road. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't really know what he's like as a person. Um, yeah, I don't smoke. Jack Kerouac, if you're listening, um, I just want to say that the uh, opinions of James do not necessarily reflect the opinions of me. I also want to say that I do not know anything about you, and I was reaching well above my uh, knowledge base when I referenced your name. Thanks. And all I want to say is, on the road, again, never going to read on the road again. (laughs) I can wait to read on the road again. As we have established, I have had a puff of a cigar before, but I've never smoked a cigarette, never going to smoke a cigarette. I feel like maybe I should just carry a pack of cigarettes around with me. What about those little, um, those little lollies? Those little mus- fads they call fads. them. Yeah. Used to be called something a lot worse. Yeah, the fads that yeah. Isn't the- it crazy, by the way, what those things used to be called? Yeah, like I genuinely don't feel comfortable saying the word. I'm not gonna say it. Yeah, but yeah, no, crazy, crazy, yeah. ridiculous, ridiculous. Little, yeah, completely. But maybe you should just carry those around. I don't know what. You, I don't know if you're a fan of. I think they're musk. Are they musk flavored? Yeah. Are they little musk sticks? Not really sticks? into that. What are musk sticks? Those little sticks of musk. Yeah, fair you enough. You get the skunk, you squeeze the musk out. Mm. I didn't realize it was such no a visceral wonder, process. No wonder why Pepe Le Pew is always following me around. Pepe Le Pew is a piece of shit. Let's not evoke, invoke that little fucking vomit. Oh, no. It's, yeah. <laughs> I think it's well documented by now that the Pepe Le Pew cartoons are just sexual assault. I think we may have talked about Pepe Le Pew on this podcast. I, I think we have. I think we have talked about Pepe Le Pew. Pepe Le Pew, more like Pepe Le Pew, if you ask me. I didn't know you were writing for Mad Magazine. <laughs> uh, that that actually got turned down by Cracked, that piece. Oh, right. <laughs> but yeah, uh, very into the aesthetics of cigarettes, I suppose was the point there. Now, Skinder, Skinner. Skinder. <laughs> yeah, Skinder. You know, that service that connects you with principles. <laughs> <laughs> very, very good. Yeah, so in this episode, Bart gets angry at Skinner and the mafia goes around to harangue him. Sure. And then, you know, it turns out it was quite a pleasant meeting and they leave and then mm-hmm. Skinner gets trapped under a pile of newspapers. Newspapers. Now, this seems ridiculous for a few reasons. Mm-hmm. One, Skinner lives with his mum, I'm pretty sure that's established. Yeah, if, uh, in the sugar... Ep- no, we watched that with Elliot. Yeah. We haven't got to that episode yet. Never I mind. feel like it's at least heavily implied, maybe. Mm. Maybe not, I don't know. But we know he lives with his mum. Uh, mm. Oh, also... Sorry, just mentioned the episode before. Yep. Flanders has a sister that we never see or hear from again. Yeah. And interesting. Anyway. Yeah, it's mysterious. It's mysterious. And they just drop her entirely. But um, Skinner... Gets trapped under a pile of newspapers, and the situation is very silly. It's very ridiculous, but yes. I think about it often. Sure. Because I live alone. Yes. And I work most days from home, and uh, there aren't many people who contact me like daily. And frankly, a lot of the people who do, like, if I don't respond to the message, they wouldn't think that much of it because I sure. sometimes just don't respond to things on time. Sure. So I often think living alone, like, if something happened to me. Could be a while before anyone noticed. Yeah, and you do. I mean, your desk, and I've I've repeatedly said that maybe you should you should change this. Hmm. But your desk is at the foot of a very large pile of old newspapers. Yeah, and the thing is, I just keep putting more newspapers on there. Yeah, and people say to me like, start a second pile. Start a second. And pile. I say, look, this has been the pile that I have managed for most of my adult life now. Mm. I refuse. I'm just going to keep stacking this pile. But it's a good thing that next to your desk is a bin that has, as we've established, an empty cigar tube. Yes. And From that one time. From that one time. And probably some baking soda and some lemon. I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't know exactly how the process of video game reviewing works, but I assume that there's... There's more lemon involved than you might expect. Yeah. And, yeah. and the baking soda? Uh, you know, when I have to conduct an experiment, yeah. Okay, sweet. Yeah. Um, okay, so is baking soda art? Um, you know, it's not really my place to say whether baking soda is or isn't art. Okay, sure. And um, frankly, I resent the question. I wish you hadn't asked it. Interesting. Yeah, uh, took a turn. Um, yeah, no, I've I've had similar thoughts about yeah, who's going to know if I'm trapped under? Yeah. Well, it, these days it, I, I wouldn't be trapped under a pile of newspapers. I'd be trapped under like 
a pile of like tablets with newspapers on them. Or like yeah, that pile of tablets you've been. Where are you getting all these tablets from, by the way? Uh, steal them. <laughs> okay. Um, or just, or you know, it would, it wouldn't surprise me if one day, if a very localized hurricane came through my house, they would find my body under a tangled mass of all the electrical cords that I have in this house, <laughs> and it would be great because as they were untangling the cords for evidentiary purposes. There would be those conversations where someone pulls out a cord and with with an end that no one recognizes, and they're like, "Does anyone know what this one's for?" I don't know. It kind of looks like an S video plug. S video. I don't remember S video. Oh no, it was the one that you used to use before. You know, like on on fancy VCRs. Oh, okay. Oh my, there's a corpse under this pile. Oh shit. S video cables. Cables. That's unfortunate. A newspaper headline in this episode that says sentencing today for Dinky Don. Dinky Don. Who is Dinky Don? Uh, Bart, because he's the Don of the Mafia, but he's a little tiny one. Okay. Little tiny Dinky Don. He's a little. Okay. What about Donkey Kong? Little tiny Dinky Donkey Kong. Yeah. Is Donkey Kong involved in this in any way? Uh, not, you ever played Donkey Kong? Not to the best. Like the original, the arcade version. I. Oh no. Oh yes, the one yeah. with Jumpman. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, yeah. It's on the mini NES. Yes. Yes, it's a good game. I've, yeah, it's fine. I can say that as a game journalist, my, was, my opinion was, holds real weight and value. I was playing Donkey Kong Country on the mini SNES on Sunday. Oh, good for you. While recovering from a horrible hangover. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good a game. Yeah, it was alright. It's weird playing those old games because uh, my muscle memory kicks in and starts playing the game for me, but my skill level is not what it used to be. Yeah. So my muscle memory assumes I'm in a. I'm doing better than I am. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Uh, the line I don't have an appointment with any large men is a nice line. Good line, very good line. Yeah, I feel like uh, I feel like we basically covered this episode. It's fucking good. Yeah, it's, it's, it's real fucking it's good. Really, really good. I mean, I don't know if we're gonna do a top five of season three. I suspect we might. Mm. This one might be in my top five. I think it's a strong possibility. Mm-hmm. And also, we barely talked about the mob, but they're fucking funny in this episode. Oh yeah, they're good. Fat Tony's great. Louis has a really funny voice. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm into it. It's a good episode. This is, uh, yeah, The Simpsons is good, as it turns out. Uh, Mr. Uh, Lisa goes to Washington. Was, you know, a misstep. Yes. But now television's good and life is good again. <clears throat> and is. worth living, I suppose. It is. I mean, and you know. You know. Thank you for tuning in this week. Zip pods. In. The key of Springfield. What's a Springfield? I feel like that one was dragged out a little too long. <laughs> um, uh, as always, we're on Facebook, Pods in the Key of Springfield. We're on Twitter, Key Springfield. We're on Instagram, Pods in the Key of Springfield. We have an email address I mentioned earlier. Try to keep up. Yeah, yeah. If you see us on the street, by all means, say hey, hey, in the voice of that guy from that earlier episode. Yeah, say, yeah. say, say one of our catchphrases to us. <laughs> if you can remember what any of them are, I don't know if we have any identifiable. I don't know if anything's yet. really taken off as like a true banger. No, I'm using the word banger a lot tonight. Not on this podcast, just in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah you do. It's a good word. Yeah. Interesting. Although, to be fair, we did have sausages and eat them with a hammer, so I can see why yeah. the word banger came up a few times. Yeah. And we were listening to Bangarang at the time. Who? Sorry. I thought of the Bangles at Bananarama, <laughs> and then I was like, nope, it's not either of those. Because my references are modern. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. I'm not sure what the episode will be next week. I think maybe I pencil it in and eat my shorts for next week. Maybe not. We'll see. Who knows? Yeah. It'll be a it'll be a fantastic surprise for all of involved. It'll be grand. All right. Wizzle wuzzle. Do That was not from this week's episode. Uh. uh well. Hang on. Okay. Let's go again. Wizzle wuzzle. I don't have an appointment with any large men. <laughs> There we go. There we go. <laughs> Bye. They held it. Uh, I don't know if we got enough banter at the start for the for the sting. Yeah, I, I don't think we've got sting banter. <laughs> sting is in this season, I think. 
Oh, when when little Timmy O'Toole gets trapped down a well. Yeah. There's a hole in my heart. As deep as that well for that poor little boy who's trapped halfway to hell. Um, uh, he's a good digger. <laughs> you don't remember the next line? No. I can't get him out, so we'll do the next best thing. Uh. We'll go on TV and sing, sing, sing. That was that was a particularly good Michael Caine. <laughs> We'll go on TV and, we'll and sing, 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 sing. sing. Not a lot of people will know that. No. You're only supposed to record a bloody number one. What are we doing? Why do we keep doing Michael Caine? I don't know why we keep doing Michael Caine. <laughs> it is the most hackneyed bitch. It is the worst. And people, I mean, nobody's told us they're sick of it yet, but they fucking are. <laughs> they're yeah. definitely sick of yeah. All right, so I imagine this will be the stink. Should we retire Michael Caine? I don't know if I'm ready to commit to that. Okay, James. bring him in here. I'm gonna have a chat with him. Bring him in. What? What you want to get me in for? What are you talking to me about? Uh, Michael Kane, thank you for coming in. I wanted to do a performance evaluation with you. A performance evaluation. The problem is that you just don't sound that much like Michael Kane, <laughs> sir. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean I don't sound like me? I am me. Who uh, else? Who else could I be? I'm not convinced. Uh, are you? <laughs> How dare! That's getting worse. Don't make don't make me retire, Michael Caine. Okay, Michael Caine can stay on, but I'll I'll, I'll make I'll try to get him less and less. <laughs> Not a lot of people know that. Not a lot of people know that. <laughs>